0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we have emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. On today's show, we have MomCore, Alison O'Kelly, the founder of MomCore, and then one of her early franchisors, Nicole Siokas, and Nicole's director of recruiting, Alison O'Connor. Caruso. Car- Caruso, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Um, I'm delighted to have you ladies uh, on the show this morning. And we're going to talk a little bit about workplace flexibility. And I would love it if, Nicole, uh, you can tell us a little bit about what you're finding with regard to workplace cre- flexibility
1: and trends that you're finding in that in that area of business. Well, it's very timely that you would have us on because we actually just released a survey that we do every other year on workplace flexibility. And uh, we released it Typically around Labor Day. Uh, and one of the biggest trends that we're seeing is that uh, 75% of the folks that we surveyed said that um, when they're looking for a job or whether they're looking to stay in a job, uh, workplace flexibility is high on their priority list. And the interesting thing, though, is that most people think, well, there's two things. One, people think that workplace flexibility means part-time work, which is not necessarily the case. And the second thing is, most people think that it pertains mostly to women. And in our survey, what we found is workplace flexibility is just as important to men as it is to women. So that's one of the interesting things that we found that we're seeing. The other thing is, is that people who um, took part in our survey said, you know what, flexibility is just as important for people who have kids as it is for people who don't have kids and one of the trends that we're seeing is you know and there's always a lot of talk obviously around millennials and things like that and as they move up and it's interesting I read an article on Forbes recently that talked about um, 30 about 37 percent of the workforce now the management side of the workforce is millennials. And those are the folks kind of driving the behavior around workplace flexibility and demanding it a little bit more. And it isn't necessarily because they have kids. It's also because they have other interests outside of work. Um, And so for us, what we see is we see a lot of folks who want flexibility, maybe because they have kids and they need a reduced schedule. But we have folks that come to us and say, I don't want to be on the road anymore. I got to get off the road. I'm a consultant. I'm gone three to four weeks out of the month. Or, you know what? I live in Alpharetta and I'm commuting all the way down to the airport. I don't want that kind of commute. I need more flexibility. Um, Or, you know what? I don't want to be an employee, I like to be a freelance, I like to be a consultant, I like to work different jobs all the time. So the, those are the trends that we're seeing. So for us, we define flexibility in terms of time, place, and duration, which are some of the things I just described. So tell me, so that was going to be my next question is, is what does flexibility actually
0: look like? And so can you just talk to us a little bit about maybe some cases of, of you know, what flexibility looks like in terms of time, place, duration? Sure.
1: Yeah. So time, um, would be like if you had a, a, modified work week, um, it could be that you work maybe like seven to four. It could be that you, um, worked, you know, reduced hours, obviously as part of that. Um, and then place is virtual or maybe it's some in the office and some, you know, telecommuting, um, which we're seeing a lot of too, especially with traffic issues here in Atlanta. A lot of companies and I would, to just be honest with you, I, I see probably a little bit more of that. I would say in the in the smaller businesses that we work with, they kind of get the concept that you can work anywhere, anytime. In the larger companies that we work with, we see pockets of that. Um, it's definitely starting to evolve. And then, which say time, and then duration. Duration could be contract work. So. Um, and we see a lot of that with the larger corporations that we're working with that, um, you know, they because the contract labor comes out of separate budgets. So, um, you know, they have projects or initiatives that they need for six months or 12 months or three months, whatever. And so and then we have a lot of folks who just they like that kind of work. They like the fact that they don't have to commit to a job for five years. They like that they can commit to something that works for them for the next, you know, six to 12 months. And so what do you think, thinking are the implications
0: for, you know, CEOs who are typically our listeners as they think about the, you know, recruiting and, and being more attractive or retaining the talent that they have?
1: So going back to our survey, the, the fact that I made the comment that, you know, 75%, so three out of four employees basically are thinking about workplace flexibility and thinking about what it means to them as a job. And 47% of the 18 to 34 year old population said they have thought about leaving a job because they didn't have enough flexibility. So as you think about retaining, particularly your top talent and the the folks that you rely on the most, you got to keep flexibility in mind. And I would also say that you got to find out what that flexibility means. Does it mean working Still working forty fifty hours a week, but maybe working from home one day a week, or does it mean modified work hours? You know, letting somebody come in at seven and leaving at four, or, um, you know, anything along those lines.
0: And Allison, can you weigh in on this? Is Allison O'Kelly? Can you weigh in on and on, on the changes that you've seen since you started started uh, Mom core?
2: Oh gosh, there there have been so many. I mean, it used to be that when we when we went into a potential client. Um, and talked about what we were doing. They looked at us like, you know, we were talking another language, where now it's really top of mind. Every employer knows that it's an issue and that it's a concern. Um now, they're not all implementing it, uh, but we are seeing that, that there is an understanding, and whether they're doing it or not, they're very curious to understand what other people are doing out there. So that's, you know, a really good sign. Um, you know, also the recent survey that that Nicole was talking about, you know, we had been seeing trends that were showing that, you know, uh, of course people wanted it, more, but employers were also giving more flexibility—not necessarily in the same proportion—but um, but you know we were seeing positive trends. Um, our most recent survey looks like like that might be declining a little bit so that is concerning however given you know the economy as it's been the last few years um it's not surprising hopefully uh, as we are recovering we'll start seeing more uh employers beginning to offer it again but but i mean it's a it, it's a big big um, change from what we saw way at the beginning, where nobody really, um, you know, when you said flexibility, people assume that meant part time. Um, where we've learned that it's just so much more than that, and employers also understand um, that it's more, so they're not quite as, uh, you know, turned off by the concept at the beginning,
0: and so tell me about the differences that you you're seeing between the different sizes of companies and whether it, Nicole commented that she sees that maybe smaller companies are a little bit less reluctant to embrace the flexibility concept um tell me about you know our our target is really companies that are mid-sized so yeah you know, small companies, startups versus mid-sized companies versus versus large companies. How does the flexibility um, conversation change? And just to clarify,
1: that actually the smaller, mid-sized embrace flexibility. Oh, sorry. More, yeah, more yeah. than than I would say the larger companies at this point. Yeah,
2: I mean, we are seeing it's it's pretty interesting. It's almost in direct correlation to the size, and and quite frankly, it makes sense because it's just easier. You know, when you're when you're trying to to implement something in a huge organization, it's um, it's difficult to set a rule that's going to work for everybody whereas the smaller companies and the mid-sized companies are are more able to do one-off situations and not be worried that it's going to impact their entire organization. So you know we we are seeing even even with the companies that might be on your you know working mother 100 best companies for you know working mothers um, even though they're implementing things it's less flexible and less um, individual than it would be in the smaller companies and the mid-sized companies so i i think you know the large companies it's completely top of mind and they're trying uh but it's just harder the the small companies and and you know it's interesting too when you talk about how your your listeners tend to be um, small and mid-sized businesses um, to get the top talent, it's absolutely essential to offer flexibility now because mm-hmm. uh, a great deal of the small and mid-sized businesses are offering that, and so if you're not, um, you know, it, you know that that is a benefit of of a smaller mid-sized business. The the large companies might have better health care, they might have better perks, different things like that. Um, the small businesses and mid-sized businesses have that flexibility that they can offer to their employees.
1: The other thing, too, is that most of the job growth is really in those smaller to mid-sized companies. So what Allison and Caruso and I are seeing here in Atlanta in particular is that companies come to us and say, I now discovered I need a director of HR, or I need a marketing person. And this is a new position. I want to make sure it's sustainable. So I'm thinking I want to start this person 20, 25 hours a week, but over the next year or so, it can definitely grow to be a full-time position. Or I need to hire four or five people, but that means I'm going to have to expand my office space. So let me let them work from home, uh, you know, or, you know, so that they're alternating days so I don't have to necessarily get a bigger office. So, you know, those are some factors that come into play for the mid sized companies as they're growing, you know, their employee base is to offer flexibility to make sure that the jobs are sustainable and that, you know, that they're indeed growing and, and don't have to initially, you know, expand office space and things like that.
0: And so Allison, see, I wanted to ask a little bit about your your recruiting and who you, who you have. Um, The name is MomCore and, you know, Allison O'Kelly, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that when you started, you were really targeting moms. Correct. Um, But Nicole, you said that now workplace flexibility is really more applicable to a broader, spectrum of of the workforce and so allison Caruso, can you talk to us a little bit about like who who are these people who want flexibility
3: well it's really a mix it's a mix of the it's a mix of women who have stepped out of the workforce and want to get back into it it's a mix of men who are looking for flexibility and also women who are looking for some flexibility they're in a job but they just want some changes to the job that they have or the structure that they have so um, I would say I talk to a lot of men looking for jobs and they're very hesitant initially. They're like, uh, you know I'm not a mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes. And we talk to them because they need the flexibility just as much as the moms or the women do. So we're talking to men just as much as
1: we are talk talking to women. We get asked quite a bit, is there a dad core? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so,
0: you know, one of the things that you can talk to Allison in terms of Allison Caruso in terms of the recruiting piece is, you know, the talent that you get Mm -hmm. is, I mean, how does the flexibility affect the talent that you get? Is it a different kind of talent or is it, you know people might be concerned that because people are flexible they're not in the office especially larger companies is there where's their productivity you know how do they how productive are they that kind of thing are you talking about the perspective from the employer or the perspective
3: of the candidate um you can speak to both the perspective of the candidate is i mean these are high caliber people who are trying that is our demo and nicole can talk to you a lot about that as well but I mean, the demo of our candidate base, these are people who have degrees and half of them have advanced degrees. So um, these are high caliber people who want to be who want to work um, and whether they're just trying to find the right situation that matches with their lifestyle and where they are in their lives, whether that's a man or woman, a mom and not a mom. It doesn't matter. They're really just trying. To, they want to work. They have the experience. They just need that flexibility for some reason.
1: The interesting thing, too, is that candidates um, a lot of times will have conversations with us, like with Allison, um, that they wouldn't necessarily have directly in an employer relationship around the flexibility needs. So they're really kind of relying on us to broker that conversation with the employer to say, you know, she would like to work from home one day a week or, you know, can she work? Can she come in at seven and leave at four. Can he, you know, not travel as much or so they're really kind of coming up to us and saying, this is what I need. I wouldn't want to have this conversation directly. Can you guys help me out here? And I, and I know, that the jobs typically, not all, but typically the jobs that you guys are working on have some component of flexibility. So they're willing to have those conversations with us. Right.
0: And I imagine that from the employer side, especially if they're engaging you, they have the expectation and they're aware that whoever they hire, that is going to need some sort
1: of flexibility on one of those three, three criteria. Right. And so the other thing too, inherent in the name mom core, a lot of people think flex mom's flexibility. It's sort of, kind of goes together a little bit. Um, And so for us, it's easy to have those conversations with the employers. What kind of flexibility do you offer where, you know, some other search and staffing firms may not be as comfortable having those conversations with the employers. But with us, it's, we feel like it's pretty, it's a pretty easy conversation to have. Now, are you guys finding that there's certain industries that are more flexible than others? And which
0: one, which industries do you kind of specialize in that kind of lend themselves to these kinds of flexible, flexible
1: arrangements? So we're a generalist firm, so we work across the board. Um, You know, I would say industry-wise, I I don't know that I necessarily see a pattern as much as I do as much like company size. Mm -hmm. Um, I will tell you that there are certainly functional areas that lend themselves more, like accounting is a great example. Accounting can be done... You can have more flexibility in an accounting role that you could have, maybe not. Or an IT is another one. You know, you can have more flexibility than maybe an HR job, where there's always something going on. You got to be in the office. You got to be around employees. Those types of things. So there are definitely functional areas that perhaps lend themselves a little bit more to flexibility than than others. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, And so I want to just turn the conversation a little bit
0: to the relationship. So I have three ladies here from, from MomCore, Allison, you founded the company. Um, and I would love for you to tell us a little bit about, um, your company growth and like, you know, how Nicole came to choose you, um, you know, and at what stage you ended up, uh, Nicole choosing to be the third franchisor of Momcor. I mean, that must've been a pretty big risk. Allison, you want to, Allison O'Kelly, you want to take that? Well, yeah, I mean, for, for
2: us, um, you know i started the business in atlanta so nicole was actually somebody um who you know while while we were new to franchising she was very familiar with momcore um and had a working relationship with us so so you know i think as far as as far as nicole goes at least it was some familiarity um as far as the the growth you know we we got to a point where we were growing um very quickly, and because we had some national press opportunities, we had a lot of people who said, hey, how can I bring it to my city? Uh, and we had a few different options. We could have said, well, we're not. We're not ready yet. We could have said... Let's go get some sort of funding, uh, some you know venture capital, private equity uh, kind of funding, and and grow that way. Um, or we could have done the franchising, and and at the time it made the most sense to do the franchising and have um, some folks who had skin in the game and were just as passionate about the the brand from a business owner perspective as we were, and. So we launched our franchise program um, in 2009, and, uh, you know, like, as I have mentioned, Nicole had known of MomCore uh, and had worked with us in the past and, and said, you know, um, let's talk as we launched the program.
0: Right. And so, Nicole, like, why, why did you choose MomCore? You know, of all the franchise opportunities that you could, you could pursue. And, you know, the third person, you know, kind of a very new at the time. I mean, workplace flexibility was kind of a really novel idea. As Allison O'Kelly said, you know, she'd walk into people's offices and they probably looked at her like she was a bit crazy, (laughs) you know. So
1: to me, honestly, it just boiled down to doing something that I was passionate about. You know, I um, began my career in the military. I then worked for Bell South in non-HR, non-recruiting. I was in operations, marketing roles. Um, and I left Bell South kind of when the AT&T merger was happening. I decided to leave. And um, and I worked for an executive search firm for a couple of years, which is where I got to know um, the Momcore team. And um, while I loved the, co- the executive search firm that I was working for, there was just something that that was just, um, just exciting about mom core and what was going on, what was going to happen in the future. You could just see it. And, uh, and I believed in, in Allison and and her team. And, um, in the end I'm a mom and it was just something that I was really passionate about. And when we started having conversations, I was like, I'm in no doubt about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I imagine,
0: you know, that the, that the franchisee franchisor relationship can sometimes be pretty contentious. So, how how has your relationship changed since since you became a, a franchisee?
1: I don't know, Allison. I mean, you can step in here too, but I don't really know that it has changed that much. For I, I feel like we're pretty fortunate. Like Allison and I, in particular, have a very open. Com- I mean, we have very open conversations, very candid conversations, um, being very open and honest. And I think Allison is very receptive to that. Um, if she wasn't, you know, I can see where you're saying, like, sometimes you hear about these contentious relationships, but Allison's very, you know, she's smart-minded, business-minded, but she's open and she listens too. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that our relationship has changed. You know, I don't know that we've had, had any bad issues or anything. Would you, what do you think?
2: well this feels like a therapy session <laughs> <laughs> but but no i you know it's it's interesting cuz absolutely that's the case with nicole and many of our other owners and and it's really a a pers- matter of um, you know the right the right fit and the mm-hmm. right people um because it is it is what happens where franchising in general fails i think is when um people lose sight of what the relationship is. So, you know, I think Nicole and I have had mutual respect for one another in what her role is in the relationship and what my role is in the relationship. And um, in situations where that gets muddy, that's when it gets to be a challenge. But, you know, I think, I think we've done well. And I think as, you know, as a small franchisor, I think that's um, part of the benefit of it you know if you if you go and buy a, a mcdonald 's franchise um you're probably um, not able to give much feedback, right. uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe once you're, you're there for a long time, but, but, you know, it it is how it is. Whereas as a small organization, you know, we really do work with our owners um, to do what's best for all of us.
0: Great. Great. And then also with Alison Caruso, you know, I, I think, you know, as you laugh about the therapy session, you I know, mean, All the CEOs that I brought on the show have said that the team is the kind of the Bedrock of their success. Yep. And so I just love this conversation around how to create those teams because not every, obviously not every business is successful in creating these teams that are, that work and that are in flow and that support each other. So, um, Nicole, I would love it if you would tell us about why you brought Alison Caruso here
1: with you and kind of the part that she plays on your team. I would love to tell <laughs> you about Alison Caruso. Uh, it's funny. I experienced what I'm sure every entrepreneur experiences is that is when do I start adding people to my team, right? I'm a solopreneur at this point. When do I start adding people? And then what kind of people do you start adding when you do that? And so several years ago, I was at that point and um, I had met Allison through mutual acquaintances. And it's interesting when I got, when I left Bell South and went into recruiting, I was so worried about learning the recruiting piece and I found that that to be so easy. So I thought, okay, I really need somebody who's a good people person because that's what we are. We are a people business. And Allison was exactly that. She um, had a sales background. She was very business savvy. She's just a great relationship builder. And so I was like, well, I can teach her the recruiting side of the business. Um, what I can't teach her are the people skills, the business savviness that she has. Um, and so when it came time for, for me to grow my team, she was the first person I thought of. Cause I was like, she's, she's just a perfect and then very natural fit for what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And so
0: Nicole, remind me, when did you get your franchise? 2009. So you were, we were kind of in the bowels of the great recession at that point. Yeah. Um, and our whole business. Much,
2: <laughs> what did yeah. you say, Alison O'Kelly? Our whole business has been pretty much, it's, <laughs> it's a interesting time to do business for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, we've been in the, you know, you were you kind of, Getting your franchise started in the bowels of the Great Recession. And you know, talk to us a little bit about how that affected the team dynamic and you know, Alison O'Kelly as you were building the business and choosing people and trying to grow and and maybe you know manage some fear and uncertainty during that time period. How did that look? You want me or, or Nicole to mm-hmm. Either of you can take that one. Go ahead, Allison O'Kelly.
2: Okay, sure. Um yeah, I mean it's you know in some ways it's a challenge and in other ways it's it's really great because if you 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 kind of know if hey if I can make this work now um then it's going to work really well when things get better and you know we're we're already seeing that especially as you know in an HR business as hiring uh increases. So it, I think if anything um it it's taught us all from from the corporate level to the franchise level just to be really really scrappy and really um careful of how we operate our business and i think that's that's all a good thing and it's a good lesson um i i'm not saying it's been wonderfully easy at all times but it it has been something that Um, You know, I feel that that we have all um, learned a great deal from and have learned to operate in a way that as we are seeing um, the economy improving, we're actually uh, still able to keep that scrappiness, if you will, and see that hit the bottom line. So I, I think it's a good thing.
1: And you know, the interesting thing, Allison, when you're saying, talking about being scrappy is one of the, probably the misconceptions a lot of people have about mom Core is that we're this gigantic company <laughs> and which is wonderful, but, but we're not, you know, we are very much like the majority of our client base. We are that small mid sized company. And you know, if I had a nickel for every time I said to a client, I'm a small business owner, I get it. I understand what you're going through. Um, you know, I'd be a millionaire by now probably, (laughs) but, um, but we do, we, we go through exactly what a lot of our clients go through and we understand how big of a deal a hiring mistake can be because we've done that, right? We've, you know, we've hired people that didn't work out Mm. for various reasons. So we understand that how important adding someone to the team is and how big of a deal it is if it doesn't work out. How big is your team, Nicole? We have three people. And so,
0: you know, Allison gave some of her thoughts on building a, a resonant, you know, team and you know when she was thinking about um the franchise franchise decision. So I would love it cuz you are in the people business. Talk to us about what what you think it it takes to build a, a resonant team that can support an organization's growth
1: for us or for our clients? For both. Um you know, I think it's it's really going to vary by client. I mean, in the big picture, no. But in each company has its own culture. So it's important for us to really understand the dynamic of the, the client and what their business is and what their plans are um, and where they're looking to grow. So it's really important for us to have a very long and open dialogue with the client so that we can find the right person. Because, you know, while it's easy to go find somebody who meets 10 criteria on a list of job duties um it's a little harder to find somebody that has those soft skills um, and that goes back to the comment i made earlier about allison like she had those people skills she just from a culture fit perspective was going to be perfect for what MomCorp was looking for so when we go to a client we do that same sort of digging like okay What's your, you know, what's your company culture like? Who's the person that this position reports to? Where does this position, is this person, is this a person that's going to have to stay in this job for the next five to ten years, or does this person have a career path from this job? Like, there's a lot of questions that we have to ask, and we have to dig into and find out from clients so that we find the right person, and so that there isn't turnover, and that they come back to us and say, "You found us the perfect person for this job." Can you help us with the next, you know, you get our culture. Can you help us with the, with the next job? And we are knock on wood are fortunate to have those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. And why do people, you know,
0: this might seem like such an elementary question, but I think it's an important one. Why do people get this wrong so often? Right. So, you know, if the perennial statement of, you know, it's my team is, you know, supports me and my success, you know, and, and Allison Crusoe, you may want to speak to this as the, as a recruiter. Why do people get this wrong so often?
3: People meaning the perception of us or...
0: No, the hiring, the hiring and the, the putting the team together. Why is that so, so difficult?
3: I don't think that people recognize how important those soft skills are that Nicole was talking about. They will give us that list, that job description of these 10 points. They have this degree, this many years experience, but they don't realize that the interaction with the hiring manager or the interaction with the team and how the team responds to each other is just as important. And if that's not there it just implodes and the whole relationship doesn't really work. So having that conversation of uh, who was in this position before, tell me about them. What happened to them? Where did they go? Or if this is a new position, why is this a new position? Where do you see this position going? Um, Talking about outside of those 10 points is so key to understanding and putting together these personalities because that's really what you're doing. You're bringing another element of personality into an office space and that's really just as important as the degree that they have and that they bring in there, mm-hmm. which is very crucial. But mm-hmm. the soft skills are very
0: important and often overlooked. Mm. And so, if you were gonna, you know, if a CEO is listening and they're thinking about hiring some someone, what are the? And you listed a few of them, but you know, what are the different groups of soft skills that people should be looking for, and how can they go about assessing whether or not, you know, the person that they're looking at or the candidates that they're looking at are a match for those? those particular things that they're, that they need to evaluate.
3: I would say the first thing, if it's an existing position, what worked and what didn't work before, Mm -hmm. why, why are you looking for somebody new? So it's really, it's, it's a lot of, of, of just trying to look at that position. Who did they interact with? How did they interact with that person? You know, and trying to really just dig in deep. It's it's like the therapy
0: session that we keep talking about. You know, <laughs> no. it's interesting.
1: We, when we talk with, that's a great point that Allison brings up, because when we talk with clients a lot of times, if it is replacing somebody and one of us will ask that question, they'll be like, hmm, we didn't think about that. And so they're like, let me think about that for a second. And then we'll kind of dig into what was, you know, what was wrong with the person before.
0: Yeah, so so looking at, you know, the Delta, what happened with the person before? What would be in any others?
3: Um, aside from, you know, in the soft
1: skills, trying yeah. to develop some of the soft skills. Um. You know, one of the things, too, I would say is, and there it, it's a fine line because as the economy is starting to pick up again, you can't move super slowly because the good talent is being swooped up a lot. But the other thing we do find as well, too, is sometimes people will do one interview and sometimes it's just a phone interview and they'll hire somebody on that. And I would say... Grab a cup of coffee with that person, have lunch with that person, because that's when if you're sitting in an office behind a desk, you know, it's easy to just kind of look at their resume and just sort of, okay, tell me about this. Tell me, give me an example here, blah, blah, blah. Have coffee and and relax a little bit and get to know the person before you make a final decision.
0: Mm.
3: A lot of times when we're going through resumes looking for candidates for a particular job open that we have, um, it's it's crazy because they'll look perfect on paper. And immediately you're like, oh, I'm so excited to talk to this person. I bet they're perfect. And you talk to them and you're like, oh, they just didn't have that personality that I'm looking for, that this office is looking for. And a lot of people will make the decision on that Mm -hmm. resume. But if you don't have that conversation with them and you don't realize that they may not have the, I don't know, some kind of skill or personality that you really need in your office, they're not that go getter. They're more of a, a chief or they're more of an Indian in the whole process. I mean, that's really crucial. And you'll sit there and go, they were perfect on paper, but they're not perfect for
1: this job. Right. Mm-hmm. They may be perfect for another client, but mm-hmm. not this particular client.
0: And so how do how do people really, even for themselves, define what soft skills they need to be looking for for their, their company? I think that goes back to the therapy session, really. I mean, yeah.
1: you really have to take an inventory of your own culture and what, what's important to your company? You know, what, what do you need for a growth factor? If that's what your you know, one of your objectives is growth and what kind of culture do you need for growth or, um, you know, what are the personalities like in the office? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Do you want to change that? Do you want to keep it the same? So, I mean, I think a CEO needs to, to kind of really look at, um, what kind of culture they have, what kind of culture they want and make, you know, and figure out what. Then going back to that, what are the the softer skills that align with those objectives?
0: Yeah. So Allison O'Kelly, I have a couple questions for you along that. I think culture is a big word, right? So, um, you know, I would love it if you would comment on you know what you think Momcor's culture is, that has empowered your success. And then um, I would love it if you would just kind of help us tease out like what is this? Like culture is such a big word. What does that actually mean? That's a great point.
2: It is a big word and I think you know a lot of it just comes down to how how people are comfortable working um, because you know similarly to what Nicole was saying what she looks at when she's working with clients, it's the same internally, right Some you know for us, we're very independent. We're a hundred percent virtual company so people, Need to be able to kind of self uh, self motivate, <laughs> um, self self uh, control. You know, they they need to be there. <laughs> they need to make sure they're working. They need to make sure they're they're doing what they need to do and motivate themselves and get out and do it. They don't have somebody looking over them saying, "Wow, are you are you doing your work today?" So so. I say that because there are certain people who work extremely well in that environment and love it. They, they love the autonomy. um, They love feeling like they're an adult and they're respected (laughs) for what they do. And there are other people who feel that um, they're completely lost Mm -hmm. and they miss having people around all the time. And um, they can't, they can't be productive without other people around so so I think it you know it's important for us too, as we hire people that we get those types of people, whether it be our franchisees um and likely their employees or our own uh, corporate employees. So so I think for us, um, because we are a, a virtual environment, I think that has really helped our success when we do find the right people because they're really independent people who are self-motivated and they're going to get out there and, and make um make it happen without very much direction. So it's almost like even internally we have a bunch of business owners uh, because, you know, they. you would not survive in the organization if you needed a lot of direction. And there are people who have not. So um, that, to me, is, is really our culture, which people love because, you know, one of our um, core values that we have uh, is Called responsible flexibility. Um, so our employees really do have the ultimate inflexibility themselves um, because they work from home. People, uh, especially my my corporate team, joke with me because they'll they'll say, "Hey, I need to take some time off because I need to go my to." whatever, a conference at my kid's school. And I say, don't tell me, I don't care. I don't (laughs) want to know. And I think that culture really empowers people, um, to, to do more. And same with employers as, you know, back to the original conversation about flexibility, um, you know, the more flexibility you offer people, I think in many ways, the harder they work for you because they value that. And that's what we see internally.
0: And so when you were growing MomCore in the beginning, did you make a conscious decision about culture? Did you sit down and have like a conversation or, you know, then now there are <laughs> no, coaches, you know, people who coach around culture. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would
2: probably, you know, uh, probably make them, them cringe. But no, <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I mean, to me, um, culture is more, uh, organic. I think it's very hard to say. This is how I want my culture to be, because then it's not, it's not authentic. You know, it needs to be, it needs to evolve from really how you work together, um, personality types, what you do, and then, and then it evolves. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's developed over years and years now, um, I, I did say from the very beginning, we need to practice what we preach, right? So we're preaching workplace flexibility. We need to have that. Um, but, but if I said this is our culture, um, I think that's silly because it's not a culture until people actually feel that way, believe that way, and live it every day.
0: And, and Nicole, you, you were the first to kind of bring up the culture word. So I would love it if you would just tell us a little, like, what is culture? Like, you know, what does it
1: really mean? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's a feeling that you have about the place that you work. Like it's, you know, um, I feel like, like the mom core culture is, uh, you know, we have all we, like Allison mentioned, we have a core set of values and, um, you know, it's the pride we have in what we do. It's the pride we have in the, the mom core name. It's, um, and it, it goes down to the people, like, you know, how I interact with the other franchisees and, and their teams and, and my team and, um, is the culture one of ease where we can have open and honest dialogue or is it a little bit of a tense culture where you feel like you're tiptoeing and you can't have those open and honest cause you're nervous about repercussions and things like that. And, um, so to me, it, it's a sort of a general feeling and, and, um, I guess to me it comes down like, you know, like that passion and pride that you have around your company. Mm. And so if, if
0: somebody wants to kind of take conscious, I don't want to say control, but you know, wants to make a conscious effort to develop a culture in a particularly in a healthy way, or even to shift a culture that may have gone in a in a not so healthy way. Like what are your thoughts on how to kind of get your arms around the culture and move it in the direction that you want to move it in? <sighs>
1: Well, I think one is awareness. I mean, first of all, you have to be, you have to recognize whether you're okay with what your culture is and whether you're okay with it or not. You know, I'm not a, a culture expert by any means, but, um, you know, you have to figure out what's important to you and then hire folks or let people go that don't match up with, you know, what your, what your corporate culture, what you want your corporate culture to be. Mm. And so Allison, um, Cruz, can you comment on,
0: you know, the, the, the impact that culture has on, on folks when you're, when you're recruiting and recruiting for an impact
3: it has on them. Yeah. Um, I could think of examples where we've had people go into a, a position where again, on paper it worked well, but when they get into a culture or when they go for the interview and they get in there and they meet and there's this, non-connection that seems to happen with the hiring manager and this person and they walk away going, I don't know why, but I just don't feel like it went well. Or the hiring manager goes, you know, on paper they looked good, but I just didn't get that. That's that intangible that that's always there about what you're looking for. And if somebody, the hiring manager isn't aware of what the culture is or what they're moving towards and they don't make that clear to us, it's, it's difficult because it is there. You just may not be aware of it or may not be in control of it, like you say, but it's
1: there. Yeah, because we have had clients come back to us and say, just not a fit. And so we say, well, can you give us feedback why? Because that helps us then fine-tune our recruiting efforts. And a lot of times they just can't, they're like, I don't know, just not a good fit. Uh, But we will get hiring managers that come to us and say, when we talk about the kind of person that they're looking for, they'll come to us and say, need somebody with thick skin, Somebody who can can deal in a fast paced, rough environment. I mean, we'll have clients that are pretty honest with us about, you know, this person, the hiring manager is all about business. They're not going to come in in and ask you, how was your weekend? They're not going to do that kind of stuff. So that's one of the things we got to look at. And so now we know what the culture is like. So it's got to be somebody thick skinned, somebody who doesn't necessarily care about the social aspect of things. Um, or, you know, we'll have a hiring manager that comes to us and says, um, you know, this person needs to be at their desk by 8 a.m. Otherwise it's not, never going to work out, you know, so we need, we need to know that somebody's not going to have any issue getting to work by 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things that we hear from, um, well,
3: there's a position too, that I'm thinking of that where we hired, we had to hire somebody into this position of authority, but they said everybody on this team has been here for 20 years. So I can't have somebody who comes in and immediately inserts themselves into the hierarchy here. It has to be somebody who knows how to like slowly get in and build that team. But we don't want any of these people's feathers ruffled. I mean, they've been here for 20 years. They know what they're doing. So, I mean, that's important because you don't want somebody who has the skill set coming in and then just disrupting that whole culture that they've developed over this time.
0: Great, great, great. And uh, so I would love to just turn the conversation to a little bit of, you know, what's new and exciting at MomCore. Um, Allison O'Kelly, you want to tell us, like, what's happening at the company that you think is uh, new and exciting?
2: Well, a, a bunch of things. I mean, our, our first, which we've talked about, is we just put out our recent um, workplace flexibility survey. We did our first one in um, 2011, so it's... Uh, really really great to see, you know, 5 5 years of data now. Um,
0: how can folks get and, a copy of that if they want to get a copy of it?
2: Um, you know, we have we have the press release on our website um, and as well as an infographic that really spells out um, the the major findings. So that's at um com And uh and aside from that, you know, one of the things too is is our clients really have been um, excited about the work we do and the way that we really, you know, focus on culture and the organization and not just on the the you know job spec. So we have had a lot of clients coming to us ask, asking us to help them with their um, traditional hires as well. They're they're. Uh, direct hires, their full-time work. So um, you'll see a lot more coming from us in, in the upcoming months about work that we're doing uh, on a full-term basis as well. So that's that's super exciting.
1: And that's one of the things we're saying here in Atlanta, too, is, well, I would say probably 60% or so of what we do are contract-based hires, We're seeing a pretty good uptick in direct hires where, you know, those are traditional full time permanent positions uh, where they're not contracted through us. They work directly for the for the company. So um, that's a good sign. It's a really good sign. Yeah, that's that's
0: really great. Yeah, too. Um, So wonderful. Well, thank you guys for a a great
1: show. It's been awesome having you here. And if. One more thing. Yeah, I was just going to say there's a little bit of a golden nugget in the survey and you can get more detail later, too. But for CEOs, one of the things that we have found is that um, we surveyed folks if they were willing to give up any component of, of uh, compensation in order to have flexibility. And that number has stayed pretty steady at about 10 percent of their salary is what they're willing to um to give up in order to gain flexibility, so that's a little bit of a good information for CEOs to have as they think about some trade-offs with folks in their company. Great, and so if folks want to take
0: a look at the the press release,
1: they can go to www <laughs> three w's <laughs> <laughs> dot uh, momcore. That's m o m c o r p s and it'll be on our website, the press release and the infographic.
0: Yeah. And and Nicole, if uh, folks want to get in touch with you to hear anything more about what they've heard today, any, any, yeah.
1: just go my, to the website. Yeah. Then go to my, the, our website and you'll be able to pull up information on the local offices. Uh, my email address is N S I O K I S at momcore.com. Thanks. Thanks for a great show. Thanks for having us. Thank
3: you.
0: This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access
1: to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.